Well, it was dangerous too. Like you would see people just be trampled to death all the time, mm. and that was that was part of the fun. I mean, damn. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like NASCAR nowadays, except they don't die usually. It's like you want to yeah, see the it's car NASCAR crash. With it's NASCAR without any walls or doors. <laughs> no helmets. <laughs> it's just, yeah, just them sitting on these wheels. <laughs> Welcome to We Talk About Dead People, a podcast where we talk about dead people. I'm your host, Aaron C., and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, James D. Say hi, James. Join us as we put our rubber gloves on and dive into what really makes a good bean dip. Is the secret extra cheese or fewer onions? Only time will tell. It's We Talk About Bean Dip. (laughs) We hope to keep our listeners entertained and interested while we break down various members of the odd and exciting family that is humanity. The ways that this works is that James and I will do our amateurish best to give a basic account of the major events in the life of a now-dead person and give fairly accurate depictions of their individual characters, which is harder to do, but we're going to try anyway. So, James, who do we have this week? Well, this week, Aaron, we have the Empress Theodora. Aha! I have no idea who that is, but she's a patron request, I'll say that much. Mmm, okay. Yes. Well... Splendid! So thank you, Gabby, for your wonderful request! And speaking of Patreon, we have some words to say about that platform. <laughs> Fuck you, Patreon! <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna lie, everybody. It, pretty much. It sucks. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed, but Patreon feels like it was hammered together by a couple of drunk college students trying to create something like Facebook and then realizing mm-hmm. Facebook was already created, so they had to create something less interesting. Uh, that... Well, a lot about money. We, we, it was we could build about money. Right. <laughs> we could do, we could do like, a Facebook for money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, so I'm not gonna hold... I'm not gonna hold back here, everybody, okay? I, I just gotta let you know... Let him have it. Yeah. What's go- Okay, so... Um, every time I try to do something with Patreon, it doesn't fucking work properly. I, I mean it. Like, I, I was telling James earlier, we got a comment from Antoinette from for Wine, a uh, patron of ours. Uh, much love to her. She commented on a post, uh, or something like that. She commented on something just to, to sure. say thanks for the last episode we did about depression. And I was like, oh my god, that's so sweet. I need to respond to her. And so I did. And it didn't go through. So I was like, oh, fuck. And of course, I've got another, you know, two other jobs to go take care of. So, like, I'm doing this in the car, you know, like, on my phone at a stop yeah, sign. You're, you're running over people. Yeah, yeah. It's... yeah. I mean, and I would, I commented and it didn't go through on my laptop. Mm. And then I commented and it wouldn't let, it was so weird. It wouldn't let me see what I was actually writing when I did it from my hmm. phone. So I couldn't be sure that, like, what I was saying was actually going to go through as a whole thing. So at the end of the day, I like tried three different ways to comment back and it just didn't work. And that's the problem. It <sighs> It's not just that one time. Every time I try to do something with Patreon, there's like 10 bugs in the way. Mm-hmm. It is so yeah. fucking frustrating. And we love our patrons, but <laughs> oh my God, we have got to get off that. Not got to get off. We've, we're going to start looking for alternatives because... It yes. is a fucking nightmare. And, uh, I mean, 
I didn't think it would be this bad when I started it. I'm like, hey, look, you know, everybody from Sam Harris to fucking, you know, all the other Harris, all the other Harris, they use it. Yeah, they use it, and they like ha- seem to have no problem. Well, Sam Harris dumped it, and he said it was because he cared about free speech. But I think he was just tired of Patreon. <laughs> no, no uh, like, okay, so <clears throat> it has not. It has. It has nothing to do with uh, our patrons. It has nothing to do with 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 anything uh, regarding like uh, our patronage or, or you know the money or nothing like that. It is just t- it's like trying to drive a car that has no wheels from mm-hmm. the back seat to the moon. To the moon. <laughs> yeah. And all you can do to steer is like you've got two pencils with two pieces of yarn and they're like attached to the steering wheel and you have to like turn it. And mm-hmm. it's really hard because you can't you can't quite get the leverage you need out of those pencils, and then like one of them breaks, and meanwhile your family's with you in the back seat screaming like, "What the fuck is Daddy, wrong?" Daddy, no, <laughs> no. Why does this car suck so much, Dad? And then we try to say something, but then a fucking fly goes down our throats, and mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. Well, and any money we do have in our wallet, NASA comes and they take like ninety eight percent. Oh, of it. and then on top and of that, then we get pulled yeah. over by the cops who say, "Hey, give us your wallet," and we give it to them, and they take it away, and they don't say any any reason why, and then they just go sit in their car and look through our wallet for a while, and then they come back and give it to us, and they don't explain it? Okay, that is basically what happened with Patreon when we were investigated for fraud. You remember that? Yeah, that, well, it is. Yeah, I do. That, that they is withheld happened. all our money. I needed to pay my fucking bills, and I was like, I couldn't get it out, and it was like, sorry, like, do you can't even con- There wasn't even, like, a contact number I could call. It is an awful platform. Due process. They care nothing about due process. Not, not even- oh, my God, yeah, you're right. But still, it, like, holy balls is Patreon bad. I mean- Holy, Holy balls! balls. Yeah. It is. N- it's oh, oh! Don't even get me. I've been struggling <laughs> with this thing ever since I started it. Yeah, let loose, like, man. Have it. Like, uh, one of the things that I hate is like I'll post an episode on there early for the patrons, mm-hmm. and I don't do that very often because we're usually like down to the wire. But when I can and right. I do, like it doesn't even show a proper thumbnail. It just shows <laughs> a, a picture, like uh. a really low res picture of like three periods in a row. Oh like, dear. It, and it looks like it looks so ugly. And it, oh, oh, I'm gonna calm down. I gotta calm the fuck down. Okay, it's okay. We're looking, man. I mean, we're looking for alternative platforms. We appreciate all our patrons <laughs> and all that they do. Yes, and their requests yes. and everything. It's beautiful. They're wonderful. The platform is not. So we're looking for something else. If anybody knows of anything that doesn't suck ass, mm. uh, let us know. So, yep, drop us a holler. Yep. I- I'm gonna quit. Send us a I'm letter. Quit ranting now. You good? Okay. Oh, I mean, what we've been using, and I like this a lot better, is digitaltipjar.com. It's mm-hmm. so easy. Like most people don't want to like subscribe to a patron and like you know forget about it and then like look at their bank account and they're like ten bucks down and oh shit, like I didn't realize it was a monthly thing. Well, I did that. Yeah, for sure. well, and then well, yeah. and on top of that, it's like then we feel bad because we charge somebody for something and they didn't want to pay it, and then it just yeah. creates like bad blood on the show. I mean, exactly. I, I yeah. hate it. I hate that thing. But yeah, we're right now. We've got digital tip jar. Uh, Sith psychopath has been our first and only contributor to that so far. Which God bless him for that. He's a guy. He is. A he guy. is definitely a guy. Maybe one of our favorite guys, and also just mm-hmm. a guy. Yep. Uh, okay, and let's see, what else? What else do we need to cover here? Oh, yeah, response uh, on the depression episode was super positive, so we're going to be investigating more of that. 
going forward. We got a lot of people who reached out who were like, hey, it'd be cool if we could like, you know, share our story or if you did another one on this. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. I mean, I would love to start a whole podcast about that kind of shit. Um, mm. But right now my bandwidth is too low, especially dealing with this whole Patreon nonsense. I got to... <laughs> Wait, is that bothering you? Uh, is, is only a little. Okay. Well, <laughs> if it's only a little, then we can move yeah. forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's yeah. my feeling is like probably what we'll do is we'll just leave it open, but go and focus on the other platform and just sort of phase Patreon out. Sure. Because like, I'm not going to hard stop, shut down the account and like lose all our patrons and, you know, basically go f- free reign with, with that shit, but. You know, hopefully we'll be able to find something that doesn't suck ass uh, and that isn't, like, buggy as hell. That would be good. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, if anybody has any ideas on how to how to do that. And we also need to talk about the little little thing about money. <laughs> uh, what about James it? wants to tell us all about how we're planning on making more money. Uh, this mm, I see the bus. I it's a big bus that you just threw me under. Yep. Just mm. vroom vroom, motherfucker. <laughs> you don't have to do it. I, I was just joking. Okay. okay. Well, I won't. So one of the things we've done, we've said again and again on the show, is that we don't want to do ads. Um, yes. But I've been seeing, like, I I, I got some favorite podcasts. Um, who like Bill Burr, for example, uh, and. Uh, who else? God. Okay, Bill Burr's the one I'm going to use. So, like, basically what they do is they send him an ad script, and... Oh, what? Hold on, Aaron. One what? second. Um, what? One minute. Okay. Sorry, my colon just fall out, fell out. Uh, I put it back in. We're good now. That is so gross. <laughs> okay, so Bill Burr. He, you've been listening to him. Yes. Uh, so, Bill Burr, they basically send him a show script, or a, an ad mm-hmm. script, and he just makes fun of it. <laughs> and he still makes advertising revenue off of it because it works. Yeah. <coughs> and the thing is... God bless oh, you. Oh, thank you. Um, the thing is, uh, I've heard, I've seen that done on lots of shows where they do, yeah. like, sketches for the ads and stuff. And I end up, like, not only not skipping the ads, but, like, listening to the ads more closely because it's just really funny. Oh, yeah, God Awful Movies. That's the other uh, oh, podcast that's great that show. does that. Um, they, they do that and, uh, you know, they have like sketches around their ads and they're really, really funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, we may move, may move into that later on. I don't know, you know, um, but Mm, we've got to investigate a a way to make this thing, um, not only worthwhile, but, um, as we progress with our, well, go ahead. Yeah. And there, there are fees we have to pay for this. Oh yeah. This isn't fucking free. I mean, (laughs) we just have to stay above the right. And, and we, you know, we pretty early on, we broke, we broke through with our, um, you know, our hosting costs and that, that kind of shit. And mm-hmm. it would be really nice if we could like get some shit to improve the show. I mean, it was a, it was a big leap getting a Soundstripe account so we could, you know, get actual licensed music on the thing. Um, but you know, there's, there's a whole lot of, there's a, there's a whole myriad of potential if we can make this thing, you know, not only like one of our favorite things to do, but also like we get paid to do it in a, in a big way, um, or in a big yeah. enough way to make it, you know, as valuable as the other hours we spend at our other jobs. But anyway, which is not valuable uh, at all. It's, uh, I'll be honest on my uh, part. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm mining coal 18 hours a day. Right. As we know, um, yeah. covered that in the, actually George Orwell wrote about you. 
<laughs> Did yeah. he? Road to Wigan Pier. Oh, was there a rat eating through my brain? Uh, yeah. Was that the scene you At were? least one. <laughs> okay, yeah. Then that's definitely me. Okay, so... <clears throat> I think that housekeeping is all done. Yeah. Yes. I mean, you didn't mop the floor, but... Yeah. Um, oh, and just, just one other thing. Um, to those of you... I know I've already said something about this, but I just want to make it very clear. To those of you who reached out regarding uh, the Depressisode, uh, thank you so much. You, like, I was getting messages all day long the day we released and into the day yeah. after... And I was just like, God bless you people. <laughs> you can Absolutely. You, you got this. You can do this. Hang in there. We're a community. Yeah. <laughs> community of depressed yeah. people. <laughs> Isn't that just like the lower levels of Scientology? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, yeah, don't give it all away. Right. Okay. So I'm thinking it's time to go down to the history lab and get started on Empress Theodora. Perfect. All right. Off we go. During a tumultuous period of human history, following the fall of Rome, hope emerged in the east with the last enclave of civilization known as the Greek Byzantine realm. In the fire and ash of rebirth and the revolutionary cycle of the human race, the wheel of time ground ever forward, crushing those who were too weak to withstand the great ones and leaving behind whispers. And yet, in the darkest times, the light comes from the most unexpected of places. This is the story of a woman known as Theodora, one who rose from the very dregs of society to the highest peaks of civil power. So, James, mm -hmm. tell me. Hmm. Tell me, really. Tell mm. me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Tell me, James. Oh. Mm. Okay. If you had to wear one pair of printed socks for the rest of your life, what would be on your printed socks? Uh it would just it would just be a, a plain white socks with the <laughs> black words and the fed. <laughs> Very good choice. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And what about you, uh, Mr. Printed Socks Man? If I had to wear one pair of printed socks for the rest of my life, it would probably be just, like, a grapefruit. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that because you use grapefruits as shoes as it is, and you're trying to move up a, a step? Ah, oh, damn it, you got me. Okay, just wanted to make sure. I put on my grapefruit shoes this morning, and they were all squished up before I even got out the door. <laughs> and in the Texan heat, that's just disgusting. Yeah, it gets that's... all sticky and just... That is a disease waiting to happen. You know, people are looking at you, wondering where they can get some grapefruit shoes, you know. Yeah. 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 The nice thing is that you can just stick a straw right in, and it's quite refreshing after you you wear them a while. Yeah, and kind of kick out kick out the juices. And most but. most people don't know, but I can I can get both of my feet behind my head. So just like what? <laughs> <laughs> well, that took a turn. Now I can only picture you in the shape of a donut. 
like the dynastic circle of Aaron's body <laughs> with grapefruit juice tripping along the There's sides. a missing page from one of Da Vinci's journals. It's just this diagram <laughs> of a guy wearing grapefruit on his feet. Uh, we're already in the winner's circle for that open. <laughs> Okay. Wow. <laughs> Are you ready to go? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little disturbed. <laughs> Let's go. Computer, oh. please bring up Theodora the Explorer. Affirmative, my lord. <clears throat> so, James, tell mm -hmm. me, for mm -hmm. real, what mm -hmm. is Theodora best known for? Well, we've already kind of discussed it at length, but Theodora is best known for being a mighty empress of the Byzantine Empire. Ah! Which, it, it might sound boring, right? Uh, the word Byzantine always makes me yawn. It, it makes me think of a mattress company. I I don't know why. Speaking Maybe there's a of, in it. let us take this time to bring you a message from our sponsors <laughs> about mattress Casper. mattress. Casper. <laughs> We ship it to you in a box, and it comes out, and you're like, holy shit, how did that mattress fit in that box? Goddamn. Well, it was a big box, and that's why it fit. Okay, we're not actually doing an ad right now, but that's probably what they would sound like if we started doing that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Holy shit, this mattress is huge! <laughs> bye, bye, bye today with promo code WT80P. Speaking of pee, if I put a pee under this mattress, will I feel you it? You will feel it, James! <laughs> Excellent. Well, give me that boxed mattress as soon as you can. And uh, with a 50% off promo code, uh, <laughs> dumbasses and dead people <laughs> for 50% off. Uh, for the low, low price Whoa. of your son. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough. That was, that was, I'm so disturbed. Oh, that was sick. I feel sick. I feel sick. And after following that depression episode, this is just uh, insensitive. I, honestly, to us. <laughs> honestly, I feel good because we did the depression episode. It was kind of super depressing. And then we did this. I'm like, we're back, baby. <laughs> we, we are I'm back. feeling it. <laughs> All right. So. Great. Uh, tell us, what mm -hmm. did this Empress Theodora look like? Well, typically, we have information, but this time we we actually do still have information, just not too much. Mm. The records that we do have, if you turn and open to page 342, say that she was stunningly beautiful. Oh. Yep. This is, this is a lady who's just absolutely gorgeous. You know, here's the thing, James. Here's the thing. Okay? Okay. Okay. <clears throat> When we, when I told you, or when we decided, I should say, that you were going to cover Theodora, I yes. knew that we were going to start off with the words stunningly beautiful, because mm, I know mm -hmm. you, and you're like the biggest sexist on the planet, and True. you only cover attractive women. Mm, so, mm. so, so, I'm going to call Twitter. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> Their phone number? Yeah. All, all of Twitter? <laughs> yeah, all of Twitter. It's just called Jack Dorsey. I mean, this was a Patreon request, oh, but that's true. it's easier to just call me a sexist. That's true. That's so, true. Yeah. 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 And, and, hey, as soon as I start calling you a sexist, we can get people, like, freaking out about our show. Like, there's this sexist asshole with a podcast. And then we'll get, like, mm -hmm. super famous. And then we can, like, 
we could like put up a video of us talking about how important free speech is, and then we'll just, we'll just rock it I to just the want top. a mattress, man. Uh, so did Theodora, apparently. Okay. Mm. That's just, that is That was actually sexist. <laughs> Okay. Oh, well, All right. well. <laughs> so she was a true like head turner. Yeah. Okay. She was a head turner. And and speaking of head turner, uh, her head would sometimes detach from her body and float around her head that is, float around the halls of the Imperial Palace, laughing at people and chasing other people around, you know, just normal. Can life. I ask if that actually has any historical basis? Yes, there was one guy who wrote this down, uh, but he also hated her guts and thought she was the Antichrist. Uh, oh. So, <laughs> he might have been just a tad biased. So good. Okay, I hope we get into that a little bit later on. <laughs> a, a little bit, okay. yeah. If not, that's okay, because I know there's sometimes like... And Herodotus wrote in his book that, you know, Caesar ate a Caesar salad at lunch and it had the eyeballs of children in it. Anyway, 3,000 <laughs> Spartans were killed. You, wait, what a minute, wait, what? What? What was that? What? Uh, excuse me. Um, no, I know, I know. I fucked can, that up. Can I kill you? What? No, you're fine. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? No, I, was... <laughs> I know I told you this, but I, I'm already several beers in... Unfortunately. Several? <laughs> well, <laughs> or one giant okay. beer. But then, I, then 445. 445 is the magic number, my friend. At Trader Joe's, you can get a container of chocolate-covered espresso beans for $4.45. And I have eaten an entire container of those today. Holy shit! <laughs> so, yeah, if Nikola, if Nikola Tesla saw me right now, his, his jaw would just drop. He'd be like, there's so much energy coming out of this man we could we could start a car company based off of him mm, okay yeah well elon musk would you <laughs> would you like to tell us about theodora's early life get the show started yeah i mean we are half an hour in but christ almighty time is subjective so <laughs> oh. so theodora's early life hooray and I'm sure you'll be glad to hear that I'm going to start things a bit differently Fuck today. <laughs> it's not it's it's not too differently, but we haven't done this before. So, I'm actually going to begin with her her end and death, Ooh, interesting, and legacy. Yeah, and this this is uh, this pertains to the whole idea, but to to kind of see where her life goes, I think it's better if we understand where it ended. Okay. So you'll be able, you'll be able to see how far she flies. I'll allow it. Okay, perfect. So Theodora died on June twenty eighth, five forty eight A.D. She was forty eight years old. The city of Constantinople and the mighty Byzantine Empire had just lost perhaps one of the greatest empresses they had ever had or would ever have. Mm. The Emperor Justinian, who had been her husband and had a powerful and untouchable image to maintain, broke down into fits of sorrowful agony and weeping at her oh funeral. Oh god, that's so sad. Yep, that he had lost his uh, his best friend. And we'll, we'll get into that more. Mm. Theodore's body was placed in the Church of the Holy Apostles in Constantinople because she too was a saint at oh, this point. Oh shit. 
She had almost single-handedly stopped the religious war between two Christian sects in the empire and united them for the kingdom of, uh, for the kingdom of God. Hmm. She had also had an important hand in organizing the construction of the magnificent Hagia Sophia, which is, everyone knows that yeah. name. It's the, it was the greatest church for hundreds of years that the world had ever seen. Uh, and it's still there today. You can still see it, although I think it's kind of a mosque slash museum oh, at this right. point. Yeah. I think I knew that. <laughs> yeah, well, Constantinople is now Istanbul, and if you don't understand that, ask the Turks. Okay. Um, Let me get them on the yeah. line here. <laughs> 1-800-TURKEY. Hello? I'm not going to do an accent. I can't understand a damn thing they're saying. <laughs> They also sound like they they don't quite exist in exactly the same way as they did then. <laughs> True, that, that's yes. Yeah. Okay. So moving on. Politically, Theodora had managed to almost single-handedly stop a riot of tens of thousands of angry rebels that aimed to murder the royal family. She had offered the support and military advice that helped her husband recapture vast expanses of the, the lost Roman Empire and had cemented the role of empress upon the Byzantine people as not just the wife of the emperor, but as the second most powerful individual in all the realm. Now that is interesting. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely dive into that later. But not now, because it's, you have to okay. wait. Like a good I, boy. All right, yeah. I will wait. Good. Cities and streets willingly renamed themselves after Theodora upon her death. Frescoes and artwork all over the Mediterranean show the pow powerful Emperor Justinian next to his equally as prominent wife, Theodora. She had been the area of focus for countless books, both fiction and nonfiction, plays and movies. She has been, not had been. That was my, my fault. Um, don't beat me. Uh, <laughs> and moving on. And from the most liberal and progressive feminist to the most traditional and conservative of Orthodox Christians, Theodora is remembered as an absolute hero. Okay. Everybody thinks she's married. cool. I'm. I, I actually know nothing about her, so we'll, I'll just withhold my judgment until we get to the end of this story. Okay, then you can judge me as as much as you want, because only God can judge me, and you're my God. So, now that you've got that image of what Theodora would become, let's go back in time to her beginning. <laughs> Thank you, James. Where are we? we? Well, I'm glad you asked, Aaron. We are in the beginning. We are in. Constantinople, the city of Constantine in roughly the year 500. Can you smell it? Yes, I can smell it. Ugh. Ugh. That's literally shit in all of the streets because this city is a mess. Oh, God. That beggar over there is beating himself with his own severed leg. Oh, that's just a Mormon. Uh, we kind of ignore them, <laughs> but... <laughs> okay. Sorry, Mormonism always breaks me and breaks the skates. <laughs> so, we don't know when Theodora was born. Uh, we don't know where she was born. We don't even know her mother's name. Ah. She may have been born on the island of Cyprus, maybe in Syria, probably around the year 500 AD, but we don't right. know. Because she was a fucking nobody. <laughs> She's on the useless bastard trail. Yeah, and get this, it only gets oh, worse. God. Her dad is basically a carny. <laughs> That's too bad. <laughs> yeah, so he's off training bears to dance and things right. like that. Uh, don't get attached to him, though, because he dies. Oh. When Theodora is only four oh, years old. Oh, no. Oh, oh dear. Uh oh yeah. 
So, to, to make enough for the family to survive, Theodora's mother sends Theodora and Theodora's two sisters to work for the Hippodrome. Hell yeah, she's gonna, like, sell hot dogs in the stands? Yes? Kind oh. of. Um, yeah, I actually didn't write down what she did here. Uh, young girls were often used as kind of, uh, would be like, kind of like cheerleaders in a sense, but not really. They, they would, um, kind of... They'd have these colored ribbons, which we'll get into the different colors later. Uh, but during the chariot races that happened at the Hippodrome, there'd be young girls who would be waving ribbons. Uh, and that's about it. That's really... That was her job. <laughs> that was her job at first. It's a good job. Um, yeah, it, 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 it was. But things get worse. Okay. But before we're going to talk about that, let me let me say a quick word about the Hippodrome. The Hippodrome is basically the entertainment hub of the city of Constantinople, mm. uh, and really the empire at large. This is where all the chariot races took took place. Not all of them, but this was the pinnacle of chariot mm. racing. Like, this is the Super Bowl. This is where you would, as a charioteer, work up to, to be in races here. It was huge. I'm just imagining, though, and, like, at this time in history, like... Mm -hmm. The primary, well, not primary, but a major source of entertainment is literally watching guys, like, charge around racetracks with horses pulling them in chariots. Yeah. Like, you can just imagine being in the stand. Like, it's such raw entertainment. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, and it oh was, God. Yeah. Well, it was dangerous, as too. Like, you would see people just be trampled to death all the mm. time, and that was that was part of the fun. <laughs> I mean, damn. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like NASCAR nowadays, except they don't die, usually. It's like, you want to yeah, see the it's car NASCAR crash. With, <laughs> it's NASCAR without any walls or doors. <laughs> no helmets. <laughs> it's just, yeah, just them sitting on these wheels. <laughs> That's pretty much it. And trying to kill each other, probably. Drew, yeah. There was definitely some... <laughs> Some attacking going on. Wow. Now, okay, before we before we go on, this I will I will give a trigger warning here because this gets really nasty really quick. Okay. Uh because and you can you can see where this is going. Theodora is destitute, her family is destitute. She's working in the She's entertainment industry, yeah. Yep. Um okay. So that is your warning, everybody, because this gets really disturbing really fast, but it's an important part of the story. Okay. So the Hippodrome, the main attraction was the racing, of course, but it was basically, it's kind of like a circus where there are multiple different attractions. Right. And one of the biggest attractions, of course, was the prostitutes who both lived in the city and would kind of work in brothels surrounding the Hippodrome. And it wasn't long before Theodora entered the sex market, um, and she was really young when this when this, this happened. She was <laughs> she was definitely uh, in her teenage years, if not younger. There were no laws about having to be over eighteen or whatever that we might have today. She was uh, a young girl, and it's it's pretty disturbing. But she might have been as young as twelve or thirteen when she was basically turned into a prostitute. We know that she had a child when she was only 14 years old. Uh, it, it's it's hard to imagine how horrible such a lifestyle is. Yeah, and she wasn't the only one. That's kind of the horrible, horrible part of it. This exactly. just happens to like, be the this person... Was standard. Yeah, this was the person we're, we're covering. But, mm -hmm. I mean, there was an industry. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Mm. So, let's see... The, the only, well, 
she was she was still part of her family and theodore's mother was a dancer which is not what we view as dancer today it was basically just it was a it was an entertainer you would do dances and then you would also perform sexual favors after the dances to people who had just watched your dances so just different variations of the same horrible trade mm. and it's it it's just as bad as it can get according to one source theodoro was on the bottom rungs of the prostitute hierarchy with which is not a great place to start, but she's on the bottom rungs, meaning she's serving the lowest and the poorest of customers. Christ. There's no bot- there's no level further below this, mm. <laughs> other than slave, perhaps. Uh, so, unsurprisingly, by the time Theodora was in her early teens, she had mastered the art of sexual gratification. Yeesh. But then things started to change for her. Uh, prostitution is, in a lot of ways, just acting... And so she she started to gain these acting skills, and she started to experiment with them. Uh, and it wasn't long before people started to notice this young girl's uh, ability as an actress. Hmm. And we don't have the details, but you can imagine Theodora as a young teen performing bits of plays or songs for the other women in the brothel, then perhaps venturing out to the streets and repeating a stanza or two she'd heard from a client, and she's now performing for passerbys. Again, we don't know how it happened, but she began to practice as an actress and even began to perform for the people around her and everybody loved oh. it she was very talented good for her that's yeah yeah talk about a rock you have to pull yourself out from under that's um well yeah and there there are a couple more rocks on top of her at this point. right but i like her because it looks like she's picking up on something you know like she's Absolutely, holding on to yeah. something damn yeah and she's well, she's in the worst place possible right now, and she's nevertheless finding out how she can move upward. Like, what does she have inside of her that she can grasp and build upon? And it's her acting right mm-hmm. now. So eventually, she gets a job as a young actress to perform plays on an actual stage. So now she has a job as an actress. But before you jump to the illusion that a stage actress then is the same as one now, just it's not right okay yeah because theater back in constantinople at this time was basically just pornography on oh stage. so game of thrones <laughs> yeah exactly yep yep so theodora would have most likely been performing various sexual acts on stage in front of a whole audience and then repeating these same motions for the top payers or visitors behind the stage after the jesus show. you know i don't even think about this shit I don't think about, like, I mean, you, you always think about, like, the arena, you know, where guys are, like, killing each other or people are just watching executions and shit like that. Yeah. It's like, man, like, you know, nowadays we just, we mostly just simulate this stuff. Or or we just don't talk about it. I mean, because it, it still happens today, like, with the, uh, well... I'm going to say it with with, uh, with the Super Bowl in, in America. The Super Bowl, whatever city it's happening in, during the weekend of the Super Bowl, that city becomes the number one hum, hub for underground sex trade because all these guys are going to the game away from their wives or whatever, and they want to have a little bit of fun on the side. And it's absolutely disgusting, and it doesn't get talked about at all. I actually knew that. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it happens today. It's just... Thankfully, not as prominent. Like, it's not in the streets, at least in most places. And it's obviously not publicly acceptable. People, Most most True. people are not going to be happy about that. Like, meh. Yeah. No, it's different. For sure. 
<clears throat> yeah. So Theodora, she be she uh, continues to be this well-known actress in the city, and the thing that really got her acclaim to fame was in performing a play telling the story of Leda and the Swan, which is Greek mythology, mm-hmm. in which Zeus disguises himself as a swan so that he can seduce a woman named Leda before revealing his true form and you know ah, the rest. Old Zeus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. But per- she did a great job and everybody loves Apparently. her. Apparently. Even though this is fucking disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, I should say there are some modern researchers and even researchers and even ancient sources that dispute the details of Theodore's upbringing up to this point. Some people don't think she worked in a broth at all, at all but others do. The, the point is that everyone agrees that she did work in some sort of sex marketing for a long time, which may have included uh, being an actress right away, or it may have evolved into that. It doesn't really matter because either way, she was on the bottom rungs of society, doing the same horrible shit. You following? Yeah, I'm. I'm here. I'm just thinking about this because, um, well, this this is not an uncommon thing where you know it's pretty well established that somebody lived this sort of lifestyle, and then there's like one source that's like, actually, no, and um, that's mm-hmm. what you get with these with these ancient characters. You get a lot of like, did that happen? Did it not happen? You know, is this historian even trustworthy here? Um, right. You know, is this is this made up because it's an underdog story? You just don't know, and I'm not saying that it is. Um, but I think the caveat you gave was uh, pretty pretty important, I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, and the interesting thing is, is I told you how her life ends. I've t- already told you what she becomes. Right, so it's hard, it's really hard and, for me to imagine where this is going to go. But... Right, yeah, and, well, we'll, we'll get, in, never mind, we'll, we'll get into that later. Uh, that one's for you, Adam. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> she's working in the streets, doing these plays, and at some point, one of her clients, perhaps a return client, perhaps a first-timer, he really just becomes enamored huh. with her. And this guy was a government official from the Byzantine region of Syria, and his, he was on his way to being transferred to a Byzantine province in modern-day Libya. And again, we don't know the details, but you can kind of imagine this guy in the middle of this huge dro- job transfer stopping in Constantinople on his way, you know, walking the streets, noticing this young, beautiful, and talented girl, Theodora, who's only 16 years old at this Mm -hmm. point. And he wants her. Like, he's never seen something that he wants more. And again, we don't know the details here, but somehow she joined him on his trip to Libya. He may have bought her, he may have convinced her, he may have just right out kidnapped her. Uh, We don't know. But somehow Theodora soon found herself whisked away from the only city that she had ever known on her way to a distant land with a man she hardly knew. Huh. Was, uh, I mean, I'm assuming the relationship was sexual? Like, yes. We're she certain was, of this? Okay. Yeah. Um, pretty certain. And it seems to be that it was against her will. Okay. We'll get into it a little bit later. Um, yeah. So that's... That's kind of all we know, because all of this is from what she would later tell people, and obviously, if this is the life she lived, she'd be having... <laughs> there'd be so much PTSD and repression involved, she wouldn't want to tell it. Like, so you'd have to put put together pieces of what she did say with maybe a friend or two she might have had. Uh, it's... The history is really sketchy. Okay. No. 
So she's in Libya living with this guy and she stayed with him for maybe about four years. Again, we don't know if that's willingly or unwillingly. But at some point, perhaps a few years in, perhaps in the first few days, he started to abuse her. Okay, here we go. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so our girl Theodora is now in Libya where she knows nobody and is being abused by a government official who, is, who has forced her to come here. She has nowhere to go and nobody to turn for help. And after all, she's nothing but a foreign whore, basically. While her abuser is the freaking regional governor. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna so, guess that she's not the yeah. only one. Oh well, that's yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but the, she's she's one of the few who managed to have her story heard. Right. Yeah. So four years into this, uh, Hecabolus, which is the the governor's name, he either grew tired of her or he just right out abandoned her, and she managed to escape. She decided that the only place she could go back to was Constantinople, where she had grown up. But, as she has no money, this meant she would have to walk through Libya, through Egypt, through Judea and Syria, through modern-day Turkey, and finally back home to Constantinople. Well, that's a long fucking way. <laughs> right. And she's 20 years old, impoverished, attractive, an ex-actress slash prostitute. So... Uh, the, this journey's gonna be a nightmare. Right. Um, yeah. Nevertheless, Theodora started walking. And that's all I've got for her early life. Well, shit, James. You could have warned me this was gonna be super depressing. <laughs> yeah, it is, but it gets better. Oh, good. It, it ends happy. <laughs> good. I gotta yep. hold on to that, because so far this is like, Jesus, one thing after another. I'm like, God damn it. I know, and I didn't know this part about her life until I was reading. I knew who she was as an empress before researching, but then reading this, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Well, fuck. <laughs> It'll be okay, okay. buddy. Just, yep, just hang hold in there. Hold on to me. Hold on mm -hmm. to me. I'm a little unsteady. A little unsteady. I didn't think this story could get any more depressing, <laughs> but you just proved me wrong. I'm glad to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, tell me there's some relief coming. It's coming, okay. all right? We're, we're going to get Holy there. Holy fuck. Like, <laughs> and it's, it's going to be Jesus. Oh, my God. You know, here's the thing. Here, here's an interesting mm -hmm. thing. I'm going to uh, grab some agua. I hope it's agua, not like vodka or something. Same color, what's the difference? So uh, go on. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, we have a lot of stories that end really poorly. Um, and sure. we have a lot of... We don't have as many stories that begin this poorly, you know? Like, True. It's usually with with our show, like, we work you into, like, a depressive state by the end of it and laugh all the way to the bank with our, you know, pocket change. <laughs> yeah. um, but, man, starting off this hard, god damn it, woof. There's no hor I, I can't imagine a more horrible life. Like I mean, and she's a girl at this I mean, point. I mean, yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, you can be a podcaster in your mid twenties in your basement, but that's that's <laughs> that doesn't happen. Somehow, I think that's not worse than being Theodora. <laughs> God damn. 
All right, should we go, should we go on? Do you, do you want to find out how this? Gets I, I do better? want to find out how this gets better. I just needed to insert a little bit of like fucking levity there. <laughs> Something. Yeah. Oh, it's it does feel like you're being water. Yeah, it, do, it really does. It. <laughs> It's just, every sentence is just worse. Oh, great. I really hope we're about to talk about uh, something a little bit, a little bit more digestible. From this point on, it's, it's more so uphill. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. I mean, all I'm thinking right now is that, like, I'm thinking about her husband, as you described him. Um, mm-hmm. He just really fucking loved her. I'm holding on to that right now. Well... Exactly. Come back to that. Come back to how I opened it, because she does eventually become the empress of the most powerful empire in the world at this okay. time, married to a man who loves her, and she loved him. And we'll get into their relationship, which is amazing, but just keep that in your mind. Like, that, I did that so you could understand the gap between these two lifestyles. Okay. Like, I- it's insane how she managed to, to work her way I mean, up. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you started us there. I think that's... Uh, yeah. Use, useful for <laughs> yeah, contrast imagine. purposes. <laughs> yes. Okay, so shall we go into Theodora's adult life? Let's okay. do it. So she's walking back to Constantinople from Libya. And this means that the first place she comes across after Libya was Egypt. So she's in Egypt, which is under the Byzantine control. And somewhere in Egypt, perhaps in Alexandria, perhaps in a desert hideaway, we don't know, she meets this guy named the Patriarch Timothy III. Ah. Uh. Who was... Yeah. I'm sorry, but if you're... No, I'm not even going to go there. Okay. (laughs) You you do not know where I was going. (laughs) Timothy is a stupid name, I'll say it for you. (laughs) I was going to say something about there being three of them, so how special could this meeting be? (laughs) Well, he's the leader of the uh, regional Miaphysite Christian community. Oh my god, what a word. Miaphysite. Yeah. Miaphysite. Yeah, it's Miaphysite. That sounds like a sequel to Human Centipede. (laughs) (laughs) or like a type of sickness you'd get in your ankle yeah (laughs) well it's not a sickness it's it's an entire christian demographic and so she meets this guy they get talking and uh somewhere along the way she converts okay so she converts to this miaphysite christian faith which we'll dive into a little bit later and then after this, she meets a talking seabird uh, who tells her the secrets of all of life. And then, oh, oh my God! Oh, oh Aaron, shit! Do you know what time it's it is? It's time for World War Two. Yes, and it's also time to learn about some really obscure Christian denominations. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. So uh, get your your family tree sketchbook out because this is. This I'm just is gonna crazy. draw on my wall. Okay, so you you know what Christianity is, right, Aaron? Uh, I think so. Isn't that a, a religion where... No, you better just fucking remind me. Okay, so Christianity is that weird tradition where <laughs> eggs pop out of the ground, <laughs> and then God comes and turns the eggs into men, and then men fall because of sin. But thankfully, uh, some of the eggs hatch, and out of those hatchlings came this bro by the name of Jesus. Okay. And Jesus once calmed a storm and turned water into wine. Fuck and yeah, party boys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's the egg that we really need to put our faith okay. in. So that's Christianity in an eggshell, okay. like Jesus was before he hatched. <laughs> that was so fucking weird. 
See, are you with me I'm so with far? You. I'm with you. Okay. So, <laughs> Christianity is broken down into basically three big boy factions. Right. Okay, you've got Roman Catholicism, Protestantism, and Orthodoxy. All right. right? right. Okay. Well, today we're talking about the latter of those three, Orthodoxy. And Orthodoxy can be divided into kind of national or ethnic divides. Right. So you've got Russian Orthodoxy, Serbian Orthodoxy, Greek Orthodoxy, blah, 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 blah. Well, surprise, surprise, even those can be further broken down. Of course. So, at the time of Theodora, Orthodox Christianity, particularly the kind we later learned to call Greek Orthodoxy, was trying to figure out who the fuck it right. was. Right, okay. Yeah. It's in its teenage years right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you've got all these little divisions and heresies popping up like daisies, and you've got groups who call themselves the same denomination as you, but they don't speak the same language. So there are all sorts of okay. problems. Yeah. Well, the school of orthodoxy that kind of had the most powerful hold on the Byzantine Empire was called Chalcedonian Christianity. Okay. And the Chalcedonians get really angry really fast at any other Orthodox Christians who are just slightly a bit different than they hmm. are. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this makes things fun when you're controlling an empire that spans all sorts of peoples and different Christian denominations. It's a tale as old as time. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> <laughs> so one of these groups, the, the hold Chalcedonians... Up, hold up. Okay. I love yes. that meme, uh, because I say it's a tale as old as time, and you go, ha ha, it really is, every time. And I didn't notice that until just now. And I think that's almost funnier than the initial... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is we, we, that is something we yeah. do. It's a tale as old... Okay, yeah. sorry. Had to jack us off no, there. You're for good. A that's, that's good. Hey, we're looking. This is an introspective podcast in a lot of ways. We're learning about ourselves and who we really are. And it turns out we're just a bunch of recycled memes. <laughs> yes. So the Chalcedonians are in power, and one of the Christian groups they really don't get along with are the Miaphysite Christians, okay. who, if you'll recall, Theodora just uh, just joined. Right. Now, there, this isn't really a civil war in a violent sense, but it's a power struggle. So you've got church leaders in both these groups trying to get the most power so they can oppress the other group. Right. Uh, even though they believe pretty much the same freaking right. thing. I mean, but they believe it a little differently, you know? Like, some people, mm -hmm. some people uh, like to pray sitting down, and others like to pray kneeling and standing up. And, like, you just can't have people doing things that are different from you. So let's no. uh, let's uh, murder each other. <laughs> well, exactly. If they're not kneeling, they should be. So let's cut them off with the kneecaps, and they'll be kneeling whether they like That's it or not. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so for for our story and our purposes, the just know that the Chalcedonians and the Miaphysites are fighting each other, uh, even though they're basically the same the, the same group in a lot of uh -huh. ways. So Theodora meets <clears throat> this Miaphysite guy. And she converts to Miaphysite Christianity. So she stays here uh, for a bit in Egypt, and really seems to be taking this Christianity thing seriously. Okay. But she still wants it to, ma to make it... Blah, 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 blah. She wants to learn how to speak, <laughs> and then make it home to the city of Constantinople. Which is, you know, it's where her mom lives, it's the city she grew up right. in. Yeah. So, the problem is, is that Constantinople is hundreds of miles away across regions filled with war, or bandits, or god knows what. 
She has no money. She's alone. And then she just makes it oh, home. Oh, okay. So she is. We don't have anything. So she is the dragonborn. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. She somehow makes it back safe and safe and sound. Just like no problem. Uh, just I mean, she just <laughs> took a bus and then you know. She's, she's there. there. It yeah. was planes, yeah. trains, and automobiles, but like way back in the day, and with less John and camels, candy. carpets, and boats. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh. So by the year 522, she's back in Constantinople. Hooray! And again, we don't really know what she does here for the next two years or so, as as far as occupation is concerned. Okay. There are two theories. Theory number A. <laughs> she either repented from her earlier lifestyle as an actress and whore and became a wool spinner in a home near the royal palace. Okay. Or B, she continued her work as a prostitute actress. Oh. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. So, there's a lot of debate about this, as you can uh -huh. imagine. But for me personally, and again, I'm just throwing my dice out into the, the dice area. <laughs> dice area? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Option B makes a lot more okay, sense. Okay, now why? Uh, she, she may be a devout Christian at this point, but her skill set is sexual entertainment. And like you said, it wasn't as demonized as it is now. It still was, for sure, especially among the Christian group, but... It's all she knew, and she was good at it, and she's dirt poor. Uh, I'm guessing she went back to it right away, and then later Christians were like, Oh, it would be better if she was a wool spinner. I mean, fair enough, it would be better. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but if you're if you're later talking about the empress of your Christian empire, you, you don't want a lot of dirt in her history. Yeah. I don't know, and I could be may I could be way off. There could be historians right now who are listening to our podcast like that would ever happen. And they're just like, oh, Well, there's God. I mean, doubtless. I mean, it's an ancient person. Like Yes. There's gonna be debate back and forth, and I think I think you're doing a good job of keeping it nice and balanced. Um sure. I have no opinion on whether or not she was more likely to have done one or the other, but I Actually, I kind of agree with you, because you're penniless, you know this, th how to do this thing, um, yep. there are dozens, at least, of, you know, essentially, what are they, what's the word, uh, venues for this kind of thing. Uh, right. You're used to it, you're penniless, there's dozens of venues, yeah, I could see that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, to me, it just makes more sense, even though I don't like the answer. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Who knows? We, we don't really it. know when it, when it comes down to yeah. it. Regardless of what she did, we have to set her aside for a minute because, uh, Aaron, I'd like to introduce you to a new guy. Oh! Mm hmm. He's a friend of mine by the name of Justinian. I've heard that name. Uh. Mm -hmm. Now, Justinian deserves his own episode on our Fair show. Enough. Like, flat out. He's amazing. But for all you need to know at the moment, he's the nephew of the Emperor of the Byzantine Kingdom, Emperor Justin I. Oh. So. Justinian is the nephew. He's heir to the throne. Very important guy. Oh. Mm -hmm. So one day, this soon-to-be emperor Justinian is just walking around Constantinople when BAM! Wow! Kazowie! <laughs> he sees one of two things, and I'll let you decide. Okay. Number A. He either sees a wool spinner, who is the most goddamn beautiful and stunning woman he's ever seen, or number B... He sees a sexy actress who really knows how to play with men's desires. Okay, I'm going to pick A, because uh -huh. it sure. makes a better story. 
Okay. Yes. So he's like seeing this wool spinner and she's beautiful and he doesn't know she's got a troubled past. And he's like, mm-hmm. I love this woman. And the other one is yeah. like, he, he thought she was hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I meant it sound right. like. Yeah. Maybe he was like, you know, she. maybe I'll take her out to coffee. And then they got talking about some things and he's like, yeah, yeah, not bad. <laughs> So, Justinian, o- over the course of time, or maybe just the afternoon, who knows, he falls head over heels in love with this girl. And he goes running back to the palace to tell his uncle about her. <sighs> Dad! Uh, I'm your uncle, Justinian. Oh, right. Look, look, Dad. I mean, uncle. I just saw. What? What is I just, it? I'm in love. Oh, uh, now, Justinian, I'm a busy man. I've got lots of tables and charts to look over. I'm... What is this hollering all about? You don't understand. I've seen the most beautiful woman I could ever expect to see ever again in my life. I, oh. I want to marry her. Oh, no. Oh, well. Where? Who? Where? Where did you... Where did you find such a woman? At the wool spinners? What? She's a wolf. She's really good at it. Look, she made me this doily. That looks like a piece of shit. <laughs> so he he's talking to his uncle, and he tells the uncle his uncle, who's the emperor, I really got to marry this girl. Okay. And the emperor says, "Well, okay, but it's against the law." Oh, to marry a wool spinner. Well. No, but it's against the law for a royal figure to marry an actress or a former actress, which again basically means someone who is in the sex industry. Yes, because you gotta you gotta keep it for image if you're on the the throne of. Well, Byzantine I mean, okay. Theory. At first, at <laughs> first glance, it sounds barbaric, right? Sure. But I'm gonna play devil's advocate here for just a second. Okay. okay. There's an empire. That's mm-hmm. doing really well. Uh, yeah. And only getting better. And you've got tons of people in your power, uh, in your system, you know, people you're taking care of. And then, well, fuck, you fell in love with a prostitute, a former prostitute. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, how do I put this? I'm trying not to get political here. Well, I, I I see where you're coming from, and for you have to keep the mob under control, and the mob is going to look for any weaknesses in the power right, okay. to, before they strike, and you know that it's probably best if the mob doesn't rule at this point. Um, so all you democracy fans out there, so sorry. <laughs> uh, so now I'm struggling yeah, too. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say, but I think for the for th- there, there, there has too to many, be like this divide. There are too many risks associated with a ruler. <laughs> Such aristocrats. What us? <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I was gonna say there are too many. We cannot associate with the plebs. F- fuck you. you! That that is legitimately a, de- a nor. A, hmm. How do I put this? Well, yes. God in, damn in, it. In a, y- an imperial in an imperial court, yeah, you, you do need to have some sort of wealth and power to have other people listen well, to you. Well, and the point is, like, that is a big political risk to 
allow yes. a person in power to just marry a former prostitute. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think it, I think today there would be hella less um, public outcry oh, yeah. around it. In fact, it might even be like celebrated. Um, For sure. But back then, that was not the custom. You didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So, well, and. Yeah, and keep in mind, if you were in the royal family, you never married for love. It was always political. It was always to unite another powerful family so that they could get behind you and make your your rule even even better. So (laughs) he's not only marrying for love and breaking all those traditions, he's marrying someone at the lowest rungs of society. Yes, and it's very hard to take off our modern-day glasses and look at this objectively. Yes. Your people might actually be really pissed off if you did this and Mm -hmm. that's not good for anybody because then there's possible war I mean you know religious uh, you know outcry or something like that it's you know this is a a sticky situation sticky situation okay and it's just against the law (laughs) like you can't have a future emperor breaking the law before he's even an emperor that's actually also a really good point Yeah. yeah like there's so many things against this and again like you and I probably don't agree with them but it makes sense in the context yes okay yeah. now that we've uh made yeah. fucked around <laughs> our on our way through that tough one uh, and solved all of the issues ever uh, yes <laughs> is it time is it time we should continue yes okay so the law is set against Justinian but he won't have it and so he finally convinces his uh, his uncle, the the emperor, to strike down such a law so that Justinian can marry the girl of his dreams, Theodora. Mm, okay. And they do. All right. In 525, Theodora married the most powerful man in the world. Well, there you go. A star yeah. is born. <laughs> <laughs> now, I did mention this earlier. You might remember it. Theodora had a daughter at this point. Oh, oh, yeah. She had a baby when she was only 14 years old. We don't know who the father was. It might have been Justinian, but it was most likely some client from long right. ago. We don't even we don't know much about this daughter. We don't even know the daughter's name. But Justinian vowed to raise this girl as if it was his Wow. Own. Yeah. So shit. But again, we're getting back to this tradition thing. Like not only is he changing the law to better his position he's marrying an ex-whore and now he's making the royal bloodline a disgrace by calling this daughter of a whore his own royal daughter i could see why that would cause problems at home (laughs) yeah and it causes problems pretty much immediately well okay (laughs) Mm -hmm. so again we kind of touched on this but he married someone because he loved her, not because of any political problems. He changed tradition and law in a state that survived on tradition and law so that he could marry who he loved, even though the royal courts and his family and all the people on top w- would have seen Theodora as this nothing better than a destitute street whore who already had a daughter who wasn't the right kind of Christian. She's a Miaphysite Christian, and Justinian is a Chalcedonian. Oh, wow. Okay. So you've got this religious thing going on as well. It's crazy. So this is fun. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a little bit of uh, instability in this one. 
Just a bit of yeah, tension. Yeah, a tiny bit. Just tiny, a bit. Just a, a <laughs> little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Justinian, though, he, he didn't care. He saw more to Theodora than what met the eye, because after he took the throne in 527 AD, the two of them became the power couple of all power oh couples. Oh my god. They, uh, they loved each other truly, from what it looks like, and they absolutely needed to, because everything was stacked against right. them. And we've, we've kind of looked in the, into that already. Mm. Uh, he So Justinian, he was now the emperor of the mighty Byzantine Empire, but the empire was currently involved in basically a war on every single front. This is this is after the fall of the Western Roman Empire, of, and so you've got these former Germanic barbarian hordes who just sacked Rome a couple hundred years later, or a couple decades later, now they're on your borders. And so he's fighting wars all over the place. And there are also other problems, because the entire Byzantine code of laws is a disaster, full of loopholes and, and things like that, so people are taking advantage of the law. Oof. It's just a disaster. There are pirates in, in the oh, sea. Oh, not pirates! They're... Anything but pirates! <laughs> yeah, well, there are oh. pirates, so keep your, your whining to yourself, keep sir. Keep your booty locked up, for the mm, lord. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So uh, the economy's shit. It's not doing well. You've got all these different Christian denominations all vying for power. It's it's horrible. Uh, So that's what Justinian is handed, just like a hot potato. He's like, oh, great. I'm an emperor now. And now there are all these problems. Theodora, on the other hand, she had to deal with her her own problems. There's all sorts of prejudice in the royal courts against Mm. her. Uh, She had she had a daughter out of wedlock who wasn't of the royal line. Uh, she was seen kind of like this this whore who won over the heart of our Justinian. Like, what an evil temptress. Yeah, well, hang on. Here's a thought. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> imagine that, like, we had a president. <laughs> sure. Uh, who, like, during his term in office... <laughs> okay. Married, uh, married someone who was... You know, completely out of left field, basically. Sure. I mean, could you imagine if, like, President Obama was unmarried when he went into office, and then, like, he got married <laughs> to, like... To, like, the daughter of Putin Yeah, or exactly. It would be like, holy, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> right, yeah. right. I mean, it's not, it's not quite the same, but I'm just trying to imagine what it would be like to have you know, the leader of your world, so to speak, be making these decisions that were so different. It would be yeah, very it's... unsettling. And meanwhile, you know, there's crises everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just trying to get in the she's, headspace. She's of the wrong faith? And we're trying to get rid of that right, faith? Right. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, too. So, yeah, it's like a, if a Protestant took power in a age-old Catholic kingdom. Yeah. Like, you'd be like, whoa. Whoa. Did did he marry for love, or is he secretly a Protestant? Mm-hmm. Like, is he trying to usurp this whole yeah. thing? Yeah, okay. I think I've got a firm handle on that now. Okay. Yeah. So, in, she kind of... Theodora, that is, she kind of gives up on trying to win the old aristocratic families and mm-hmm. courts. And Justinian does, too. They kind of do their own thing. They, they just say, fuck you, we're gonna do our own thing together and without okay. you. And we'll cover Justinian in another episode because what he does is is amazing. 
but here's here are the spark notes. Uh, he's seen as one of the greatest Byzantine emperors of all time. He reorganized the Byzantine army, put capable generals in charge, and won nearly every war he fought, expanding the Byzantine Empire to areas long thought lost. He rewrote the Byzantine Code of Laws, which are still studied today by law students because they were so amazing. Wow. <laughs> uh, and he, he brought peace and prosperity to, to the kingdom like it hadn't seen in, in hundreds of years. And during this whole time, that, that's, that's several decades summed up in two sentences, but we'll cover him in another episode. This whole time, anyway, Theodora was not just standing there by the side watching him do this. Uh, no, she, she was right there next to him. She was kicked out of the royal court, so she basically made her <laughs> own. And With blackjack and hookers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, she brought on people who were despised by society... And she gave them power and a, and a voice as her own friends. So, because so one of one of the most hated groups at this time was of course the prostitutes. But another group that was hated were the eunuchs. Because I mean, if a man doesn't have man doesn't have balls, like what you can't what is it? You can't, you can't talk. What? No, no. What the hell is that thing? <laughs> well, that's how they saw them, and so. Theodora actually befriended several eunuchs and was like, hey, you're smart. Why, why don't you work for me? I don't care about your genitalia. Like, what a concept. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think one of the best generals at this time was actually secretly a eunuch who she helped prop up wow. into an area where he, he succeeded. So she's got her own court going. Uh, she's she's there with, uh, with Justinian during religious ceremonies. She's there at his war councils with all of his generals. Uh, and she was there the whole time, giving advice, arguing with the experts, and helping the cause. And, again, we don't know the details or ho how great this impact was on these occasions, because the historical records of the time, they don't they either don't exist, or they focus on the emperor, Justinian. Right, he's the emperor. <laughs> but, yeah, of course. <laughs> But the records of him that we do have so show that he made it very clear that he relied on Theodora for nearly everything. He needed her his bleh, he needed her advice and support for every situation, no matter the topic. Uh, we even have a rare quote oh. for the time from Justinian in which he called Theodora my partner in all my deliberations. Interesting. So they're, they're as thick as thieves here. Yeah. <laughs> they're not thieves. But which is thicker, no. Justinian or Theodora? <laughs> what? No? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. That's a great question. <laughs> I'm going with Justinian. <laughs> <laughs> I would too. <laughs> Okay, so, now, <laughs> now that we have that, we're, we're going to look into, like, a specific instance of history, and you are going to love this story. Alright, please get on with it. <laughs> okay, this is one of the most baffling and flat-out stupidest aspects of all of Byzantine okay. history. Okay, so you know how polarizing American sports can oh, be I'm here? I'm so glad you said sports and not politics. Yes, I do know. Yeah. Okay, so... Yeah, well, American sport fans don't have anything on the people of Constantinople. I find that hard to believe. You're going to have to prove your case. Oh, I will prove it, <laughs> sir. So, in Constantinople, the big sport was chariot racing, as we covered right. earlier. 
And this was the thing. There were there were no there were other sports, but nothing was as amazing as chariot racing. This it held the city captive by how important it was. And everybody, regardless of class or culture or religion, was invested in the racing. Now there were four main chariot teams. Uh, inventively called the Blues, the Greens, the Reds, and the Whites. Right. I mean, <laughs> hey, it it we works. eventually evolved to various animals. <laughs> so <laughs> that's true. Colors and animals is pretty yep. much it. So a huge part of your identity as a citizen of Constantinople was what color team you supported. Uh-huh. You would often introduce yourself as, "Hi, I'm a red," or "I'm a blue." Uh, and that's, that's basically it. Simple enough, right? <laughs> yeah, you have to signal your tribe, I guess. Well, it gets okay. worse. <laughs> so, as the fanaticism behind each team grew, the problems grew. Sports brought along gambling. Gambling brought on corruption. Corruption brought on gangs. Gangs brought on mobs. Mobs brought on soldiers. And soldiers brought on politics. Oh, God. Yeah, so very soon, each colored team not only represented some charioteers, but an entire social and political identity. Oh my god, this is so crazy. It's basically as if the Republican Party owned the New England Patriots, and the Democrats owned the Dallas Cowboys, and there were no other football teams. That is... Okay. All right. So, Mm -hmm. I gotta tell a story. Okay. Okay, go for it. So, I went to this town near Austin... And they mm-hmm. had like a whole bunch of gift shops and like museums. And there was like, oh my god, it was so cool. There was one, there was one little shop that had like mammoth and dinosaur bones like for sale. Nice. Um, <laughs> that had just been dug up in the wilderness. Um, but the coolest shop I went to, well, not the coolest, but definitely the place I enjoyed myself the most was there was like mm-hmm. a toy shop. And it mm-hmm. was like you go in and there's like all these random ass things that like you know would fascinate a kid um and then there was like a room that was like um you know basically kitsch garbage for grown-ups right sure um yeah. but you know they were like there was like a my favorite thing and i almost bought some but i didn't um there were all these jesus themed mints <laughs> and they had like great puns on them like save your breath uh-huh. or something like that <laughs> Um, but oh my god, there was this wall. And I saw it from afar, and I'm like, oh look, there's all this, uh, Last Jedi stuff on it. And I was like, Mm. oh, okay. And then I started to notice that it wasn't just Last Jedi, it was, it was Doctor Who. (laughs) Okay. And then it was, on the same wall, uh, and then it was Game of Thrones. And there's all this merchandise for these three franchises. Um, and... No, and th- and it was more. It was like I started to like look at this wall of toys, and I'm like, I know people who like this would be their wall. You oh, know what I mean? Okay. Um, because they yeah. just like all the same shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I started thinking about it. I'm like, I wonder what my wall would look like. And mm. it looks like something like the philosophy and history sections at half price books. Because <laughs> right. I go in there, <laughs> and I've read most of the books on the shelves. You know, it's just stuff I like. And yeah. I, I'd go in there, and what do I do but just look at the things I already own and already like. And I go, mm. this is a good book, you know? Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know, that's so interesting that these little groups always seem to get parsed out by, like, you know, it starts with one thing, and then it's like, well, if you like this, then you're going to like that, and you're going to like this and like that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's it's really funny to me because um, 
you know, my brother, he'll go to like the science section. You know, he wants to look at the at the at, you know what they've learned about black holes and shit like that because he's super in he's super sure. into sciencey stuff. Yeah. But that's where we both go, like right away. I know I can go find him in that section. Um, <laughs> and I yep. also I also am aware that there are people out there who would have a problem with him spending all his time there, um, reading about mm. science and all that evolution shit. Um, yeah. But there are also people out there who would like have a problem with me. Yeah, shit. there are also people out there who would like have a problem with me going over and just like you know picking up Saint Augustine and trying to read it in the store and you know. But mm. it's it's usually normal level heads can just like accept that. Oh, that person likes that thing. Um, right. And then there are <laughs> then there are people who are like, no, if you don't like this thing that I like, all these things that I like, then we can't be friends. Exactly. Is that what's going on here? Okay. Yes. <laughs> Very much so. All right. Yeah. So each each colored team has their whole set of views, and you have to agree with one uh-huh. or another, basically. Yeah. So no tolerance. No, <laughs> none whatsoever. And things get of course worse. they do. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> so at the time of Theodora and Justinian, the two best teams were the Blues and the Greens. Ah. The whites and the reds, they didn't have as much power. They never are. (laughs) No. (laughs) Blue and green, that's where it's at. (laughs) Yep, blue and green. So often after a race, the losing team would see this as a political and social insult. And then the whole city would break down into riots. Fascinating. So it wasn't just the blue beating the green. It was the upper class suppressing the lower class or whatever, whatever they're... Allegiances I'm guessing work. the whites and reds were independents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the Green Party and Libertarian the, the Bernie parties. Sanders like, and the... <laughs> yeah, the Ron Pauls. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So this happens all throughout early Byzantine history. Like, anytime there's a, a chariot race, there's a riot thereafter. And uh, these aren't the, uh, the push over a car and throw trash riots... These were try and storm the royal palace to kill everybody, and oh, here's the army, and now the soldiers are slaughtering civilians, right? Uh, it's a tale as old as time. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> <laughs> so in these riots, hundreds or thousands, or sometimes even tens of thousands of civilians would be killed because of a color. <laughs> That's so stupid. It really is. Oh, man. So... The Emperor Justinian was a blue. Of course. Mm -hmm. Which meant that he was often at odds with the Greens, of course. Well, in the year 531, a riot broke out after a race between the Blues and the Greens. The leaders of the riot were arrested, and the soldiers quelled the people. Blah, blah, blah. But a year later, two of these riot leaders escaped from from prison. Mm. One was a a blue, and one was Uh a green. And these two men took refuge in a church, uh... And then a mob arrived and protected the church. Oh, So it's kind of confusing, but so Justinian arrested these guys to keep the peace. They escaped. So he's obviously going to have to retake these, these men captive in order to maintain his authority. But the people are now like, no, these guys are kind of heroes. Come and take it. <laughs> like from our dead fingers. <laughs> so he, instead of acting on it, Justinian just tells the mob, look, I'm gonna throw you all a kick-ass race. Let's just calm down and watch the Does it work? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. 
So on January 13th, 532, Justinian throws a chariot race, and the angry mobs come to the race. Many of them armed, many of them drunk, but willing to calm down just a bit to see the horses right. run. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's kind of like, like, if <laughs> these protesters at, like, Berkeley College or whatever, like, if you turned on the Super Bowl, I bet everyone would just be like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you bring them a little pizza and, you know, yeah. <laughs> we're going to have a watch party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Justinian, he doesn't actually go to the Hippodrome because it's still dangerous right, of for course. him. Uh, he's watching from the palace. And things then only get worse, and this is kind of terrifying. The first day of the races, the crowd was chanting as they always did. One side would scream, BLUE! And then the other side would yell, GREEN! And then each side would try and be louder than the other of course. side. And be as obnoxious as they can. So it's just this, BLUE! GREEN! BLUE! GREEN! Oh, God. As thousands of people are yelling this. This was normal. <laughs> but at the end of the second day of races, the crowd had stopped yelling at each other, and they were now all shouting, Nika! Nika! In unison, the blues and the greens were both yelling oh, Nika, fuck. which is Greek for victory, or more ominously, conquer. Oh, fuck! Yeah, and Justinian's wa listening to this happen. Like, imagine the transformation you hear just from Blue's Greens to conquer, conquer. Holy crap. It's horrifying. Uh, just so the look at that, though. You've got two sides <laughs> that hate each other, and then after mm -hmm. they watch the kick-ass horse race, at the end of it, they're all, like, joined up about something. Uh -huh. What is it, and how did it happen? We don't really know. <laughs> so, the blues and the greens, and there are tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of them, in complete unison, leave the Hippodrome and quickly began just burning down the God city. God damn it. Get yeah. a grip. And then they... <laughs> I know. <laughs> then they begin laying siege to the Imperial Palace where Justinian and Theodora were. And there's there there are too many of them and they've surrounded the palace now. It's it's horrifying. <laughs> so the siege of the palace went on for several days. On day number 5, Justinian began to realize that he needed to get out of there quick. So he began to plan his escape route onto a boat and to another safer area of the empire where he could recuperate get his people back together, and then retake his capital city from a bunch of sports fanatics. God damn it. So he's at this council meeting where Justinian uh, and his guys, they're talking about how to escape, when all of a sudden... Oh, you know what? I skipped a part. I skipped a part. So this, you've got this mob going. Meanwhile, there are all these politicians who hate, uh, hate our people, Theodora and Justinian. So these politicians get behind the mob and they're like oh this isn't an angry sports mob this is a coup oh my god so we're gonna kill the royal family and uh this guy this guy hypatius we're gonna make him the new emperor because i don't know but he's gonna be the Fucking new emperor politicians i know <laughs> so justinian he's in this war council meeting with with everybody and he's like okay how do i get out of here to just survive so i can come back and save my throne and then Theodora comes storming into the war room, 
And we have a record, supposedly, of what she proclaimed to Justinian and all his dudes standing around this table. And she says, It is impossible for a person, having been born into this world... Yes? Usually when you do a woman's voice, it's super irritating. Oh, No, okay, I'm not yes. asking you to do it, I'm just saying... Oh. She gets it a little different, because she's kind of cool. <laughs> Isn't she kind of cool? <laughs> yeah. She's amazing. And it, and this quote, I can't make fun of this quote. This quote is amazing. All right, all right. So she says, It is impossible for a person, having been born into this world, not to die. But for one who has reigned, it is intolerable to be a fugitive. May I never be deprived of this purple robe. And may I never see the day when those who meet me do not call me Empress. If you wish to save yourself, my lord, there is no difficulty. We are rich, over there is the sea, and yonder are the ships. Yet reflect for a moment whether, when you have once escaped to a place of security, you would not gladly exchange such safety for death. As for me, I agree that the royal purple is the noblest shroud. Well, damn. Damn. Yeah. Damn, girl. So she, she's gonna stay. And if it means she dies, at least she dies an empress. Hmm. And she's not afraid to meet that fate. Wow. So this apparently gave Justinian the courage he needed to stay at the scene with his wife and to solve the problem of the angry mob. So he stops organizing his escape and instead says messengers to the Imperial Army. And then the Imperial Army comes into the city and restores peace. Hooray! By murdering 30,000 civilians. All right, but hold up. Yes. I don't, I, I don't think you just get to say murdering 30,000 civilians. Yeah, True. It's, I'm glad you brought this remember, up. Remember, yep. it was an actual coup, and politicians were leveraging to put a new guy into power, all that shit, and they were sort of, I would say, weaponizing the people. I would Absolutely. say you could lay the responsibility of that at the feet of those politicians. Yes. Okay, because you yep. can't just, like, what are you going to do? You're going to let him kill you? Um, right. You know, destroy the city? No, it's your fucking city. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other aspect of this is that if, let's say he did escape and he was able to gather an army, well, you've already got the politicians putting another fake emperor on the throne, which means civil yes. war. And the Byzantine Empire has seen civil wars before, where... It just wrecks everything. It wrecks the economy. Hundreds of thousands of people die in the fighting or they starve. It's it's not good for anybody. So Theodora, by convincing Justinian to stay, she saved the empire from a civil war, which was far worse than the killing of 30,000 rowdy sports fans. Right, and, you know, they're, they're fucking upset about a color. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they, uh, exactly. maybe they could just, you know, it was kind of a public service to get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, exactly. haven't you ever wanted to kill a Patriots fan? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Every goddamn day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the soldiers come in, peace is restored, the riot is quelled, and then that guy Hypatius, who the politicians tried to put up as the new emperor... He was like, I didn't even want to be emperor. They just forced me to, like, take this uh -huh. stance. But he's he's <laughs> killed anyway. <laughs> you can't have any of those lads nah. lying around. So, yeah. So, Theodora's resolve on this whole issue saved the empire from a bloody civil war. 
And that could have been the end of Justinian's realm or the Justinian line. Like, it could have been so much worse than it was. Now, uh, after this, Theodora and Justinian worked together to build the city, to rebuild it, because much of it had been burned. And they rebuilt the city of Constantinople into pretty much the greatest city the world had ever seen or would see for hundreds of years. They built bridges, aqueducts, cherry pie dispensers, 25 churches, and of course, the magnificent Hagia Sophia, which is still there today. What was that about cherry pie dispensers? <laughs> what? Oh. I thought you said something about cherry pie dispensers. No. no. Okay. That, that's that's no. insane. That would be crazy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Anyway, in perhaps an instance of payback, Theodora made sure that everybody in her court, or any court, knew in the royal palace exactly where they stood. (laughs) So, when ushered into the presence of Theodora and Justinian, everybody, regardless of their status, or, or their religion, or their wealth, they had to lie down on the cold ground, face on the cement, basically, or the stone, until they were given permission to stay. Woof. Yeah, so she's making it clear, like, okay, you you may have thought that I was an outsider and treated me horribly at first, but now I I am in command over you, and you will obey me no matter what. Well, <laughs> say what you want. That sounds slightly oppressive, but in the uh, in the uh, context of what just happened, they have they've got well, to solidify their position as as the emperor and empress. Exactly. Well, and the Byzantine Empire for its entire history is hanging on by its fingertips. Right. To, to all of its regions and its its glory and its power. So you have to you have to have this image of being absolutely powerful. That's part yeah. of it. Mm. So yeah, anybody they were forced to lie on the ground and politicians and messengers waiting for the royal couple were kept in this like closet. <laughs> <laughs> this small cramped waiting room until they were allowed to oh, enter. Oh god. There's like one of those clocks on the wall. It looks like the cat that's looking back and forth with a tail and everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's this old lady behind like the reception desk. She's like, alright, you can get The principal in. will see you now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wow. So Theodora made everybody realize that she was not competing for her place among the aristocracy. There was no competition to be had. She had won. She was it. She was the top papaya of Constantinople. (laughs) There was no one above her except maybe God and her husband. Wow. Yeah. And they were on her side. Nice. (laughs) Now, Theodora's reign was also impacted by her previous lifestyle. She passed laws that prevented young girls from being sold into prostitution. Good. She had pimping made a criminal offense, and she shot down many brothels within the city. Well, that's... Man, that's a step that's, up. That's like, that's beautiful. Yeah, it is absolutely. And this was, again, a rare move at this time in history. So it's no amazing. doubt unpopular she as also, well. I mean, oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. She also created sanctuaries for young girls and women who had been sexually abused, and many of these sanctuaries survived long after she passed. That sounds like something from like, like the modern from, fucking day. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of like what you do if you're a good politician. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, she also did other things. She made the imperial death penalty expanded to include rapists. Shit. Uh, Property rights were expanded for women. And husbands could no longer legally murder their wives if their wife cheated on them. Well, that's 
That's uh, that's what I call actual progress. <laughs> Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she wasn't fucking no. around. She was like, this is horrible. We're going to change it right no, now. No, this is like, this is real action. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, she did more. She also worked to end the hostilities between the Chalcedonian, which her husband was, and the Miaphysite Christian communities, which she was a part of. Um, because again, they believed like the same thing, right. and but they had these differences. Uh, it's right. such a, it's such a, it's such a win that they're both of different sects of the religion, and yet yeah. they work together. Um, that's a powerful symbol for oh, your for people. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like those sports teams. It's it's not just religious. You've got all sorts of ethnic and cultural people groups behind these different religious banners mm. and if you can unite that you unite the people you unite the ethnicities there's so much behind all of this and and she did so much to to make it one <laughs> wow yeah and anyway today both the chalcedonian and miaphysite christian communities are are basically in perfect unison they both accept their differences they both acknowledge that the other group is part of the orthodox faith and most of this is due to what Theodora did 1400 years ago. It took a long time for them to get over their differences, but because she was like, you guys got to work together just like my husband and I do, they started to work together and now they're both under the Orthodox banner. It's really beautiful, just the legacy. That's of really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As for the rest of her life, we we don't really have much on it. Uh, what more uh, could historian... you add? <laughs> <laughs> well, like the day-to-day -day life. We don't have like Who her cares? diary. Who cares? God damn it. <laughs> if she stopped doing things at 30 and then mm -hmm. everything said and then she died 30 years later, I'd be like, fine. <laughs> like, I don't even <laughs> care. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Well, we don't have much much left. That's all we have. That's okay. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <clears throat> now, the historians at the time, they were very polarized well, about Well, no her. shit. I mean... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she, was, she was a polarizing woman. She was a woman. mover and a shaker. Mm -hmm. But not... Most people... No, go no, ahead. I'm done. No joke. Go not ahead. a Quaker? Yeah, not a Quaker. Oh, okay. <laughs> Most historians viewed her as a saint who had saved or given her husband the support needed to save the empire several times over. Uh, but others, particularly those who were staunch uh, Chalcedonians, believed she was the Antichrist. Yep. Uh, well, you know, if you're not being called the Antichrist, you're not really doing that much as an empress. So, <laughs> For sure, <laughs> yeah. And we, I mentioned this earlier, but this guy was like, yeah, in the palace, her head detaches from her neck, and the head chased me around once and bit me in my bum. <clears throat> Basically. The, you know? I, I exaggerated a bit, but... I mean, that's not really that far from the shit people say about some upper politicians these days. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, that's that's pretty much all I, I have. I like it. That was a great yeah. story. Um, mm -hmm. So how did it end for her, then? Well, we kind of covered her end and death at the beginning of the episode, but here's here, here's what happened. is She died on June 28th, 548, at the young age of 48 years old, which was very young for being the empress. Right. Uh, she probably had breast cancer and died because of oh, that. God. Uh, that's what a lot of historians think of. Her body is buried in Constantinople. Her husband, Justinian, continued to live on. And again, he, he's one of the greatest emperors of, of all of history, really. 
But after her death, he was never quite the same. Uh, he had lost his other half and his best Well, he lost... Man, like, honestly, like, there was probably some fear because, I mean, he was about to, you know, abandon his city and try to start from outside or whatnot. And she was like, we are fucking staying. We are yeah. putting this down and we're going to build a beautiful city together. That's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, fuck, you're right. He couldn't... He didn't even see it. I mean, it, it sounds yeah. like he didn't even see that as, like an option he was a little bit like all right Right. we're already fucked the city's gone you know we might as well just go off together and try to try to fix it from the outside and she just like nah man like you either you know die here i'm not going down like i i've lived that life i there's i can only go up from here (laughs) stop drop your balls justinian and call in the army (laughs) yeah well Okay, that was really good. That's a great patron request. Great job. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Whoever Gabby. Requested Gabby. Yeah, yes, she, that was her request. Uh, so yeah, are we ready to head to the surface, or did you have uh, more hot pockets you wanted to make? I always do, but fine. We can we can go to the surface. I've got some. Up you can there eat too. them frozen on the elevator. They're crunchier that way. Yep, that's true. <laughs> Let's, Let's go. go. James, what mm-hmm. are you going to do for the rest of your day? I'm going to freeze these hot pockets and then make an igloo and live in a hot, a cold pocket igloo. That's... What the hell? What are you going to do for the rest of your day? Uh, I think I'm going to set your igloo on fire and then eat the hot pockets after they're cooked. Okay, well, just put my body out. Oh, to I see. wasn't expecting you to die. I figured you'd like inhale oh, the hot shit. pocket smoke and become like ten times more powerful than you already are. Okay, all yeah, right, I'm cool. Let's That's do this. the rest of our day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's time to bring the show to an end for today. If there, if after all that bullshit, you discover that you hate us, please consider funding the show by becoming a patron on Patreon.com. Uh, or if Patreon is not your thing, just like it's not my thing. Uh, you can drop us a little tip in our digital tip jar. That's digitaltipjar.com slash we talk about dead people. We are your podcast baristas. Do you tip your barista? I thought so. Our cover art was created by Ian Patterson of Ian Patterson Illustration. You can view more of his wonderfully whimsical work at www.ipattersonillustration.com. With all that being said, we'll close out and let the sounds of James calling his mom play you out. <laughs> Oh, all right. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that, but <laughs> we can we can work with it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Hello, mother. Hello, father. Here I am at Camp Granada. Camp is very entertaining, if it will only. Stop raining. I have an iguana. His name is Tommy. I put Tommy in the oven, then turned oven on and saw Tommy die. So please pick me up and put me in an asylum. Goodbye, mother. Goodbye, father. I'm in a straitjacket.
at my alma mater. <laughs> I I hate I hate Tommy for what he did to me and made me do to him, but he was yummy. <laughs> that was a trial no <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Victory in <I'm> Jesus. <laughs>